1: plushcare.com slash weight loss
0: Women X Film Festival is back for its third year. Happening in the northeast of England in Darlington, we're bringing you a weekend of over 40 short films made by women and non-binary filmmakers, alongside an exciting schedule of industry talks, networking speed meets, naughty's film quiz nights, and our own soundtrack karaoke contest. Grab your pass now to join in on the action with us at the venue or book an online ticket to watch the films virtually. You can also tune in to our festival podcast for exclusive behind-the-scenes content and interviews with the filmmakers on how it kickstarted their career journeys. Just head to riannpictures.com slash womenx or find us on socials at riampictures.
1: I can hear you Right, it's okay sorry I was just hitting record I thought do you know what let's capture the magic while we find why, out what's happened to why, your. <laughs> why
2: not yeah why not why not learn about my latest IT nightmare? <laughs> and it's it's almost a daily occurrence for me it really is uh I don't know why why anyone ever thought I could work from home I'll tell you that but anyway yeah. um <laughs> why would it choose to freeze 10 minutes before before we're where to start? we're due to start and why would it start loading up days? I mean, well, you're, you're, you're more of an expert than me. Can you shed any light on that for, for me at all? Um,
1: yeah. It's because it's of Gremlins, Brian. That's why. Gremlins. Oh, is that yeah? Is
2: that what it is? Yeah.
1: It's
2: the <laughs> Robert Zemeckis film from 1985 <laughs> mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm, doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's as good an explanation as any. Yeah. How have you been anyway? Yeah, no, I've been all right. It's been a while since we've podded, hasn't it? I know, I know. I know. What was it? The uh, was it the guy Richie one last one that we did?
1: Man, yeah, it probably was. Jeez. What else, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I've let the younguns run around for a bit, haven't I? Like, <laughs> you know, Chris and Ian, they've they've they're running around, and Rachel, she's running around doing her own thing. <laughs>
2: I, I know. You see, they're all really good fun. You see, the, th- the thing is that I suppose the difference there. I mean, I personally, I prefer the 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 old format that we used to use, and there were various reasons why you chose to give them their own shows. But you see, they're into particular niches, aren't they? Mm. Right, They're really into a certain niche of film. And I'm not into any particular niche. I just love all films, you know. And um, But they're having a great time, aren't they, really? And it is a bit like letting the kids run around, run amok for a bit, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I mean, it does have its own problems. It's kind of like when you let your kids pick what they're gonna have for dinner it's a bit like oh okay right yeah now we've made a mess yeah. and you yeah, know, okay right now, I you're know. Not, now you're not gonna sleep but I know. uh yeah no to be honest i'm loving it i love um the different shows and i love rachel like having a place to just be rachel i think that's so important yeah we need that in our lives um and, and she's Amber good at as well right? amber's show's great
2: yeah yeah i mean I mean, they're. I think they're all great. I mean, I, I see them in, in sort of different sections. I will sort of listen to half an hour of one, then I'll listen to half an hour of another, and I do. I do kind of mix and match a little bit. But Rachel is good at being Rachel, isn't she?
1: <laughs> I, I just way. think like her show just suits her down to the ground. She's got autonomy to do her own thing, and I yeah. what I love about it as well is that the majority of it. Is she's talking about snacks and food or her dog. And I'm just like I was, I'm, that's what I'm there for. It's so good.
2: Yeah. I know, but you see the thing is that that it's when she doesn't talk about films mm. that, that it really kind of takes on a life <laughs> of its own. And I, I think I think it's I think you've got a cult developing there. Oh uh, yeah, definitely.
1: Chris, like, eventually. Um, but yeah, no, that's not why we're here though, Brian, is it? That's not why, no, it's not why we're not here to talk no. about the kids. We're here to be no. serious and, and get our own <laughs>
2: Yeah, get our own
1: thing going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we're going to be talking about this year's festival because you helped me last year with the festival, I believe, you and Jason. I did. Yeah, I did. A few others.
2: Did did, did a few reviews. Yeah.
1: Um, And this year is our third year, would you believe? Um, And we've had a lot of entries, a lot more entries this year. Um, we did lower the price of entry. So that's help. that it does help, that bit, does help. It, yeah. but no, it was it's just no also yeah. to just help out filmmakers and make it more of a, an event yeah. that they can enjoy. Um, yeah. But part of it this year was to give more space to the films on the podcast. Because last year we did review them all, but I, I felt like... I know on one of the episodes, me and Jason tried to rattle through about 20-odd short films, and it just felt yeah. so rushed. So yeah. what we're going to yeah. do this year is just um, spread it out a bit more, um, give each film a bit more, you know, the time it deserves. So me and yeah. you have watched... Five for this particular episode um, we have, which we're yeah. going to be going through which I'm very excited about. Um, mm-hmm. Before we get to that, Brian, have you ever heard of Medi Cinema? Mm. Oh no, I have. I have because
2: um, you can give a... If you're booking booking theatre tickets through cinema tickets through View, you've got an option to give money to, to Medi Cinema. It's revised cinema for uh, young people who are in hospital or aren't able to get to a conventional screen. Is that, that's it. Wow.
1: Bang on basically. Yeah. Yeah. So Medi Cinema, um, they're not part of the NHS, but they work out of NHS hospitals and things. And it was, I think it's set up during uh, the pandemic. And the idea was to reduce loneliness and isolation when people are staying, especially long stays in hospital. Um, Mm. And they actually build cinemas inside uh, hospitals and get patients to go there. And obviously, you know, we're big lovers of film and we know the power that it has. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And yeah, so MediCinema are our chosen charity for this year. So we'll be promoting them a little bit and just, you know, giving links off to to make sure people know that they can go and donate there. They've got a fantastic, um, you know, service that they provide for everyone and also they've got some amazing patrons um like i know simon pegg is one of their I gu- patrons i
2: was gonna say simon pegg does a lot of the uh the, the main trailer for, for medicinema was simon pegg for a long time
1: yeah i think it uh, still is um still is, yeah. yeah and they've got lots and lots of other supporters and patrons and uk film review is going to be one of them and we're going to oh, help them this year and right. yeah just a shout out to them and anyone looking to you know, find a cause that. If you're a film fan, you well, you must be if you're listening to this. Otherwise, mm. why are you here? Um, yeah. Yeah, MediCinema is a great choice because it's um, it links to people who need it, but it's also the love of film. Um, so, mm. yeah, um, find out more at medicinema.org.uk, or I'm sure if you Google them, they'll come up and yeah at this at the festival we're going to be just promoting them here and there and everywhere um but yeah I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that before we get stuck in because yeah. we've got a lot of films it's a great,
2: we have it's a great medicine cinema and um it it should be more visible than it than it has been recently because it used to be used to see it around a lot then it kind of disappeared it's, it could have been covid it could have been covid that kind of suppress the message slightly but Mm. um yeah it's 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 a good cause great cause and we all know what the power of watching a good film
1: can be well for me when because they reached out to me and and I was um immediately drawn to it because it linked to something that I had experienced when I was um back and forward hospital a lot because my dad was in Mm. there a lot and um I just remember going and sitting by the bedside and it is boring. Don't get me wrong, (laughs) rest in peace, Dad. But it was very boring. (laughs) Um, But it was the fact that I remember sitting there thinking, there should be films right now. Because films, it's pure escapism, which is like, this is when you need it the most. But but also they have this um, ability to draw multiple people in at the same time to something different so Mm. what was happening quite a lot was you know we sat there and put music on and and that was fine that was great actually but then you know maybe they put these like tv things on that are like you got to pay like five quid a day to put the tv on Um, and i'd be on my phone and this sort of thing but every so often on even on the tv like a film would come on And then I'd sit there, like leaning over my dad's bed, like with him in there, trying to watch this same film together on this tiny little screen. And I was like, well, this should just be, you know, and it's so therapeutic. It's so beneficial to health, I think. And yeah, for me, it was just like a no brainer. When they got in touch, I thought, you know what? Yeah, happy to get behind you guys.
2: But you see, what it does there, though, is that it makes hospital more of a normalized environment Mm. because, you know, Whenever anyone goes to hospital, it's because they're seeing someone they're close to who's not well. And for a young someone who's particularly young, that can be uh, it can be boring, it can be worrying and frightening as well. So it helps to, to normalise the environment more and it makes people more comfortable to be in hospital for longer. And that aids the person they're visiting to a quicker recovery. Um, so you can't underestimate the power of what that aims to do, what it aims to
1: achieve. Do you think there are any films though that are like Totally inappropriate for that situation, you know. trigger warnings and stuff.
2: (laughs) I know you. You've got to be very careful, I think, about the type of films you would show in that environment. But I I suppose it depends, doesn't it, really? But I mean, you would, you would imagine they would veer towards family-friendly movies and nothing that particularly reminds someone of where they are, because the whole idea is to escape from that situation, isn't it? And we use film as an escape anyway from the routine of life. You know, the, the trailers that View show, uh, I'm sure Cineworld is similar, but you know, it's all about saying, escape from your, your normal surroundings, switch off your phones. You know, the the, um, the trailers that John Boyega does with R- Ridley Scotson as well, it's saying, no, n- you know, turn your mobile phone off, no, swipe me, like me, click me just get rid of all of that and just immerse yourself in a, in a different world. But of course it does depend on the film you're watching and um, you know, uh, but it, but it's, it's obvious what, what it can do and the, the therapy that can provide, but it, you know, you wouldn't recommend Friday the first, the first thing. <laughs> well, like Ra- I mean, Rachel
1: might, you know, so let's. Uh, oh, leave Rachel over would, now. would anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rachel would. Yeah. Yeah. I,
2: yeah. yeah. But you know so it's a great cause and i'm glad we're supporting it
1: awesome so <clears throat> speaking of um everything else we're gonna review five of the official selections for this year's festival during this episode and it's a mixed group that it's not like mm. all shorts or anything like that they're, they're all different um genres mm. and yeah um they've all been reviewed on the website so any film that we mentioned tonight you can also go check out the official review and yeah they'll be screening at the at the online film festival anyone can attend that um anywhere in the world actually and um yeah we're looking forward to that so Mm. without further ado we're gonna review a manchester Mm -hmm. story first
0: he knew straight away what it was, despite everybody saying, oh, it was a speaker fault, or it was an electric fault. He knew what it was. Manchester as a whole, the whole city felt quite personally
2: attacked.
1: You know, breaking through the news to see what had happened, and you know, and then the next day it was confirmed of, that it was a terrorist attack. you think that couldn't happen, it happened. And it's indescribable. It just disassociated me.
2: I didn't know what it was at the time. It just all went in slow motion from when it went off. A, a positive thing came out of an absolutely tragic circumstance. There's no I still was 17 years old. It's four of the hardest bottles I've ever seen
0: one. Manchester's response was fantastic. We're resilient. We've been attacked before.
1: We're Manchester. We aren't afraid.
0: Being angry isn't
1: going to bring anybody back. It won't bring my son back. It's a really good city, and the people are actually amazing. And the whole world is actually behind us right now.
0: Even though we're
2: Right. Okay then. Um, well, where do you start, really? I mean, it's it's very powerful, isn't it? It's it's a it's a compelling story, and it's real. It's truthful, isn't it? Mm. It's it's a story of people coping with the most grotesque event you can imagine. It's frightening, really, isn't it? Mm. You know, I th- I think the reason it works for me so well is because it's not concerned with the event itself. It's not concerned with the Manchester bombing itself. It's not concerned with the failed intelligence, with the first responders not getting there on time. It's not dealing with the politics of it. It's dealing with the human impact, the, the fallout. You know, the the result, what happened next, and how uh, relatives of the victim, survivors, are coping, how they're living their lives now. Um, So it's the type, look, you and I watched it in order to review it, right? You know, if that that element wasn't there, would you choose it as a film to watch? Probably not, because it's not the most pleasant things to view, but it's something you don't want to watch, but you feel you need to. Do you know what I'm getting at? It's... It's got that inbuilt drama, it's truthful and it's real. But at the same time, it's very disturbing to watch.
1: I think I know what you mean in terms of, and this is true of a lot of documentaries, I think, which is rarely would you seek them out unless it's a subject that you have a particular interest in. Whereas Mm. actually what's funny about documentaries is really they work best when the opposite is true, which is when you don't know anything about the subject. Because yeah. you can be enlightened, and I think with a Manchester story, it would probably be the sort of thing that would fit in absolutely perfectly on like you know a Friday night on a you know, Channel Four sort of thing, and it was on, and I would just find myself watching it, and I would then be glued because of the the way that it's filmed and the, the stories that come out, which are really mm. compelling, and it is really well done. But um, I think what I really loved about the film was. To just give a bit of a synopsis, it's about the uh, following the events in 2017 where um, the Manchester Arena uh, a bomb went off. Someone exploded a bomb, and 22 people lost their lives. Um, but like Brian said, it's not um, dealing with that really. It's it's more about the aftermath and how the community kind of pulled together all the different. Uh, projects and um, group activities which seemed to just spring from this tragedy which actually brought a lot of hope and joy and positivity to Manchester um, so for example um, there was a lady who's like a tattoo artist and she mm-hmm. said oh you know should we you know just message her friends or should we start giving away some free tattoos of the Manchester mm-hmm. bee And Mm -hmm. that kind of exploded and went viral and was like this massive thing. And everyone was like Mm -hmm. on it. And, you know, it was all these things which were so generally positive about what what came after this sort of horrific event. That that was what I just really enjoyed about it. Because it would have been Mm -hmm. so easy to have done flashbacks, done newsreels, done, Mm -hmm. you know, even like um what do they call them you know when they're sort of like uh remember the 999 program where they have like yeah, what do they call yeah. it like a reimagining of it Re-
2: reconstruction reconstruction that's yeah. the word I'm looking yeah. for that
1: the, you know they they could have gone like that kind of route and it would have been just you know it would have been powerful I'm sure but this felt very different as a piece and it was a really like a uh, sort of heartfelt piece
2: hmm. yeah i mean look i think you can't help but be moved by it um and it's i suppose really where where i i would originally say it's um the most distressing thing you could possibly watch and we all remember it well you know in some ways it almost needs no introduction you know the manchester arena attacks may 2017. it was a wretched time for the country because this was in the midst of the london bridge attacks uh the westminster bridge attacks. We had the Grenfell fire in June. It was a wretched time for the country because everywhere you look, there was a disaster just beginning to happen or in progress. And it was slap bang in the middle of all of that. All of that. Um, but, you know, in spite of what happened, this film shows you something positive came out of it, i.e. that life goes on. And it's sort of showing the culprits and those responses we saying, well, look, yes, you've done this to us, but we are surviving we're carrying on we owe it to those that have gone to live our lives and live our lives with freedom in the way we wanted to live and that you mentioned the tattoo artist. i think that's a particularly interesting point because the fact that the bee is a symbol of manchester it's in their it's in their uh, coat of arms isn't it it signifies yeah. industry you know uh, activity you know uh positivity but everyone wanted a tattoo of a bee after that, And it's the sense of saying, well, look, everyone is with them, you know, and that, that's really quite moving. And, you know, the we, it's one of those sort of Kennedy moments, isn't it? We all remember where we were when we heard it happened. And the fact that it happens to predominantly young people, it's heartbreaking because that's what stands out the most is the human cost. You know, it, as I say, it's not the factual stuff. It's not the politics. It's not the, it's none of that. It's about human beings, and that's what I found was was very strong about. It. The only downside for me, I think, about the film was the, the fact the editing seemed to be a bit ragged. Because after each interview, you'd see the screen go blank, yeah. then it'd be something else. Now you could say the story tells it tells itself, but it would have been nice to have had the odd cap the odd caption here and there. You know, I everyone introduced who they were, but that you know, it sounds like a nitpicking, but it, that would have given it more coherence. But overall, I I think it was um, very well put together and very kind of disarming, the honesty and the fact that people were willing to talk on screen about it. You know, I mean, maybe they find that cathartic, maybe they find it healing. It's therapeutic in itself.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, you know, just to pick up on some of the filmmaking aspects because I think that's important. Um, yeah. So the director is uh, Anton Orenko and from what I can gather um, from the info that we have is that he was uh, making this at university so mm. I think that maybe he's a slightly younger director and you know, I think this may have been first feature Um mm. I certainly noticed a few sort of issues. I mean, there's some couple... Yeah, the editing for me... I'll come back to that, actually, because um, I've got something else to say about that. But the um, I did notice that the score, like the sound was quite overbearing at times. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute, wait a minute. Sound is way too high. Yeah. And if I'm noticing yeah. it, then it's too high. And then, yeah, there was actually like in one scene, I think it's fairly near the end, there's like a boom mic in shot like you can actually see the yeah. mic and i was like okay i yeah. don't think that's on purpose so, no, well, no, um, no. yeah yeah which it's absolutely fine you know i think one of the important aspects of this film is that it is dealing with the real people from the real event and it's told in this kind of like raw authentic yeah. way it's not trying yeah. to be slick and they haven't yeah. gone and got like you know, when you see some documentaries and they've got, like, really powerful people in lovely suits and they've all been obviously done yeah. made up and they've got, like, green screen or, like, some lovely studio background behind yeah. them and you're like, you've paid all these people to come in for the day to talk. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, that, that that can work, whereas this was so much more, like, yeah. <laughs> on the street sort of thing, um, yeah. which I think was fine. Yeah. Regarding the editing, one of the things I was sort of contemplating was the... Mm chapter kind of approach because a lot Mm. of documentaries do the kind of thing where it's all told at the same time so you switch between the different stories and Mm. keep it kind of moving whereas this had a very chapter sort of feel especially to the first I mean it does kind of connect later on you see some of the characters are or people sorry are like connected to other things that Mm. have gone on but it was very much like this is that person's story okay now we're moving on to this person's story and I just Mm. wonder what it would have been like had it been a bit more kind of interconnected throughout and like you say maybe with Subtitles and captions telling people who they are and and why they're here.
2: I don't think it would have taken a lot, though, Chris. I mean, I think you can overproduce something. I think you've you've nailed it there because some documentaries can be so slick they almost sensationalise the subject matter in some ways. Mm. So this pulls back from that. The advantage that this film's got is that it's not overproduced. It's not too slick, right? Partly because, yeah, it's one of it's the director's first effort, right? And it's not going to be anything too elaborate they're going to have a very limited budget you take all of that into account but he's doing his best to let the people tell the story but i think within that though you could do something very simply just to just to sort of pull it closer together because like right, yes they're all talking about the same event or they're talking about the what happened afterwards but you know it would be it would have helped i think to have had them linking closer together i mean i found the um, the, the story about the choir that, that formed as a result—that was very good—and they could have sort of linked it through through that, because obviously a lot of people got involved involved with the choir who were relatives of victims or, or were survivors. So there's that side of it. I mean, you've you've got to keep that in mind. I think that you know that there are parts that could have been better, but you know the. The power is still there. It doesn't diminish what what it's trying to say.
1: Definitely, I, I yeah, and I think whether it was the director's first film or not, because I think he may have directed a short film and stuff before. Oh, but, right. um, but either way, it's it's a fairly sort of newish effort. You can kind of tell yeah. it is a little bit rough. Yeah, that, but I yeah. think because they've approached the film in a very positive you know, manner and trying to get these stories out, and one of the things I just wanted to just really kind of promote was the fact that it does challenge a lot of stereotypes because Mm. like you say it's not even like the the brief mentions that are made to the bomber are done in a way that's like shown forgiveness or very kind of like it's not going oh my god i can't believe that person did that it was more like Mm it happened and we're dealing with it and some of us are stronger for it. Some of us are weaker for it, but you know, it's more about the, you know, the outcome, but also like things like there's like a biker gang. (laughs) There's people with tattoos. There's lots of people that you kind of think it was a great way of showing that if something like this does happen, that a lot of these, um, you know, kind of pigeonholes that we put everyone in suddenly become completely irrelevant because everyone's brought together in a human way of look, something awful has happened to our people of this, yeah. of this city. And we've all come together and people all around the world felt the same way. And I think that was yeah. the most powerful thing I kind of took from it really.
2: Yeah. I think the, the, um, the biker who organized the, um, the events, the, 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 events that supported, um, you know, efforts to ki- keep the, their memories alive. Mm. He didn't have a direct connection necessarily. I think he knew, I think he, he was a friend of someone who was had a, a relative that was caught in the blast. But he did, what struck me about it was that that biker didn't have a direct connection. Mm. But he, he felt a closeness and a proximity to it all. And he wanted to do something positive to say, yes, look, we're supporting you. And they didn't think that. And it helped to change the image of, of bikers as well, he felt. I thought that was really interesting. Because he said that blackers have a certain image, but he said we had 800 turn up uh, to this event to mark uh, a a representation, a remembrance of what's happened. And I think that's great as well, because it, it shows that people who don't have a direct connection feel it as well and able to support
1: people as well. So. Absolutely. And you can check um, A Manchester Story out at the festival this year. Um, but if not, seek it out elsewhere. It's worth your time, I think. You know, And it's a great example of you know, what can be done with something that would be quite harrowing in the hands of someone else, but done in a very positive way. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to move on alphabetically. Why not? <laughs> um, why not? So the next is a short film directed by Daniel Topic um, and it's called Another Day. I often think back to that last summer when we went all the way
2: up to the top. From Hill? We made that promise. We pinky promised that we'd never grow old and lonely. If I ever ended up Bold and bitter, stuck in the corner of some smelly old pub. I knew you were... sat on a couch somewhere. Next to your ninth cat. At 60. I'd come find you.
0: You said 30.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Life peak that day on Primrose Hill. Do you want to give uh, our listeners a synopsis on this one, Brian? Yes, of course. I'd love to. Uh, so, another day focuses on,
2: on two characters, Sam and Sinead. Now, with many short films with limited screen time, you do surmise a lot, but you judge a lot, not just from the scripts and what's said, but from the expressions and the way they look at each other. So they are a couple with a past, with a history. And they are reunited up up to a point. Um, It it gives you um, their story partly in flashback. They go back to when they were very young, when they were first going out together. And obviously a lot's happened in between because um, they appear to be old flames reignited, a first love being revisited. Um, but it also suggests something of an illicit relationship because the final frames obviously imply that they've led different lives at some point and that they're about to do something that brings them a, that forces them apart again. But um, I felt the narrative wasn't entirely obvious about where it was going, but it gives you a certain number of scenarios. But it obviously portrays, to me, it portrays intimacy very well between the, the two of them, and the fact that a lot has happened, and they're trying to sort of provide a kind of an end-to-end story, and allowing the viewer to fill in what's missing. I think in some ways, but um, that was my take on it. What do you think,
1: Chris? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think I had a similar take, but maybe slightly different. Just in that I kind of caught on very quickly that they were. Lovers in the you know in the past, but then mm. had come together because she said something along like, you know, "Why did you come? Why did you call mm. me?" or something like this, and yeah. uh, that it was like, "Oh, okay." So, and it looked like you know the the location looked like some kind of, sort of generic uh, hotel chain room, and I was like, yeah. "Okay, yeah. this looks like a hookup. It looks like a you know yeah. a, a fling sort of thing." A fling for old times' so. yeah. And then they start sort of going into that they were you know these kind of. Um, Romeo and Juliet style, kind of passionate mm. lovers when they were younger, yeah. and having um sort of flashback clips of them on, I think it's a like Hampstead Heath or something, and um yeah, and then now sort of, you know, she mentions about him having a kid, like oh, does your boy yeah. talk now or something like that, and That's then right, yeah. um yeah, then the, the whole thing about marriage comes up, and I was like, oh, okay, right, I think I, I think I get where this is going, um and then like you say, there's a bit. I mean, spoiler warning, I guess, because maybe people want to just um, skip forward a little bit on this if if you're going to check the film out for the first time uh, later on. But there's um, a bit where she's looking in the mirror in the wedding dress. And I thought, so did that actually happen? I think it did, because part of me wondered, if oh, is she just imagining what it would have been like to have caught up with an old flame because yeah. she's getting married yeah. and she's got cold feet. But then it, it goes to him and he's feeding his son and he's looking at the calendar and I'm just like, I'm wondering if they're both reminiscing in their heads, like what it yeah. would have been like. Yeah, it,
2: it could be a completely emotional and mental thing that they're, they're both imagining the experience in their own heads. Mm. But I mean, it could easily have been, been real in so far that I, this is the way I could take it, is say, right, Sinead's about to get married. Sam has a young baby. So you presume that he's in a relationship uh, and he has a child and the two of them meet up and it's their first love rekindled. And they have that, they reach that point in their lives that, do we move forward? Do we leave the past behind? Are we meant to be together? Right. And that meeting in the hotel was almost a bit like saying, is this going to go anywhere? Or do we go back to our own lives and our our separate relationships? Um, So to me, there's that kind of uh, key moment in their lives when they decide, yes, we've met up again, but does it mean anything? We've got got our own lives to lead now. Things have changed. Things have moved on. And I think a film like that can leave it open deliberately. Mm. And I think because there is limited screen time available, that they're going to allow the audience to make a reasonable conclusion or leave them wondering. If you've got an end to end story within a 10 minute film, you've done very well. That's not easy to do. But a lot of the time, I think they will leave that uncertainty. They will leave that in the, in the audience's mind more to decide. Yeah. Rather I, than saying it.
1: I I, I think definitely with a film like this, where you're dealing with like a heavy emotional, emotional, storyline um yeah that you've got i think the character development was really great like considering they like, say that powerful punch within a very short space of time mm. that to try and do more would have probably left it open and vulnerable to feeling um like you were being underserved whereas actually mm. what they did with the time was actually mm. very effective and um yep. so sam who's played by alan hall he also writes the film um mm. I thought his performance was really good. I really enjoyed like the mm. the sort of almost anguished emotion he had about the whole like yeah. trying to get her to like maybe skip out on her wedding day and get the train and mm. she can tell yeah. everyone on the train yeah, I I loved that sort of passion that was coming from him. Yeah. Um yeah. and then Sinead, who's played by I'm gonna attempt the name because I'm terrible with Irish names if this is uh but I think it's Gronier Gronier, Gronier Groner Good. She Grosny, is yeah. Phenomenal, really great. Uh, you know, this kind of um, complex character who is caught between her past, which is yeah. right with her in the present, but then her future mm. that's just around the corner. And I thought, yeah, together it was really good. I love the chemistry. I really believed yeah. it, which is often the problem with some of these short films that are trying to sort of probably haven't got a lot of budget, haven't had a lot of time, do kind of push it. I thought that the actual performances were really really strong that it, it did bring me in. I was I was really into it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. I think I think both actors were very good. I think it was well directed. I I think the they used the extreme close up really well and they focused on on the hands. Did you notice they focused on the hands mm. and the eyes. And we know a lot of acting is done with the eyes. So and that you you can tell a story or relate a situation. You can relate a chemistry or a frisson between two characters by just expressions, and they were doing that as well. Um, so I, I think it was very well done, very well put together, and um, a very well made film, very, very well, well put together. And, and it's again, it's not easy to, to do that. I, I think it's a great discipline for a director to learn, to be able to shoot a film uh, and make it reasonably coherent and leave you with enough information to tell a story. I mean, to be able to do what you
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: And they told the story in, in ten minutes. It's worked. It's obviously worked because we were never left saying we haven't got a clue what this is about because we, we were very clear about what it was about. But it's what you, it's how you fill in the gaps yourself. Mm. I think it's really interesting because I, I thought, I thought Sam was like a single parent and was trying to get, um, uh, to get, to, to get her to, to go with him, sort of thing. You know, that's the way, way it was working for me. But again, maybe that's my own my own sort of uh, tendency to sort of write write bits of scripts as I watch.
1: It's, it's really interesting, you know, obviously, yeah, the, the bits which aren't given, that how even the, the smallest deviation in terms of how you interpret those could result in a fairly different storyline being presented. And like you say, yeah. you're bringing that to it. You're bringing that kind of, baggage and your feeling on how maybe that character might act and might not act um but yeah no i I, and you mentioned the the hand uh the hands and stuff for me the intimate framing of it was another Mm. part i really enjoyed because yeah they make great use of the space it's not a big uh room that they're filming most of this in um and you get that feeling that you're inside this situation right now and you're like a fly mm. on the wall in what is a very kind of um, intricate but emotional story. And I think it just worked. I loved the acoustic guitar as well um, that was mm. over the opening scenes and it was like these two yeah. lovers. As I say, it felt slightly Shakespearean that bit. I was like, oh, this sort of feels like a timeless yeah. story because the dialogue hadn't started at this point. I was like, okay, yeah, you're already getting a very good yeah. feel about what this is. And then when you sort of learn that it is about characters from their youth, not fitting together in their present or future, Mm. that that it has that sort of tragedy feel to it. Um, you know, star crossed lovers and and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of the sort of vibe that I was getting from it. Um, Mm. yeah, I, I I would definitely recommend seeking it out. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that one was called another day. um, Mm -hmm. Next up, Baroness, directed by Tom Auna. I will... Let's let me see if I can do the synopsis for this one. Um, have, a, have a go on. have a go So, on. yeah, I mean, it feels quite sort of uh, close to my own heart. Um, an old guy uh, sat in a pub um, for the first half of the film, and he's clearly suffering from some kind of loneliness, separation in his life, and being very much kind of at the bottom of the glass in terms of where he is at, at life and spends most of his days there. Um, the The sort of pub landlord isn't particularly great. Like he, he gets to have another pint, but he sort of probably rubs him up the wrong way more often than not. But every so often, um, this woman keeps coming to the door and sort of almost coming in, but then not coming in. And you start to realise that, Maybe they're connected, maybe they're not. And then in the second half of the film, he bumps into the woman in the streets Mm. and then the two eventually end up helping each other with their own problems. Um, Mm. That was kind of my take on it without spoiling what the actual specific problems were. (laughs) But what about you?
2: Yeah, no, that's pretty much the way I would have read it. I I think it's interesting, really. Filmmakers (laughs) are continually... Uh, or increasingly concentrating on the concept of loneliness or solitude. And this could, again, yet again, be the result of COVID, the, the fact that people have been alone for much longer than they would have been. But I, I, think it is, I think it is one of the enemies of growing older, I think. And I think George, the, the main character in Baroness, fits into that category where he has a past, he has a history. But for whatever reason... Uh, he's fallen into this period of solitude when all he has is the pub. All he has is a, a pint in his hand, thinking of what's gone before. Now, he periodically looks at his... his, his he checks the message on his mobile, doesn't he? Mm. And he sees a message, and it kind of sparks a semblance of hope in his own mind that things might change and get better. But I think the girl at the window, who's called Elena... She, was the, she became the catalyst for, for things getting better for him, for both of them, really, because I think she was looking for a job and he found her a job in the pub and she g- gave him that, uh, that desire to resolve um, something in his own life that wasn't working, relationships in his own life that weren't working. And again, like another day, I think it was very well done. And I think there's enough there for the viewer to get a clear idea of what the character's about and what it's trying to say. And the statement it's trying to make that loneliness can be cured if we allow it to be cured. That if you do seek comfort and support in someone else that wants to help you. And I think it's quite touching in that way. And at the end, there seemed to be a happy ending to me. Um, That's what I got. I got the, the sense that there was... A happy conclusion, because of the, the closing frames in that film, suggested that he resolved that issue in his life. He resolved a relationship that became astra- where he became estranged with somebody he was close to. Um, so that's the key. That's the moral. There is that if you allow someone to to help you, if you allow someone to communicate, you find common ground, and you find you find solutions to your own problems. Um, so it's, again, a very nicely put together film,
1: I think. Yeah, I, I think it's important to sort of, first off, appreciate the filmmaking, because I, I love the general atmosphere of the film. Yeah. Uh, it was I had that lovely kind of moody vibe in the first half yeah. when he's in the pub, but it's filmed really well. Like the, the actual camera angles and things, I like just was so... Yeah. I appreciate those sort of things and it wasn't like it was distracting me but it was like yeah yeah I noticed that it was good and but then yeah the fact that it became this sort of film of two halves where mm. you had this sort of character clearly struggling with life and not enjoying it um who mm. then finds almost redemption through a stranger that that had a really powerful feeling to me and yeah like you said with everything that's been going on everything that's sort of um, happened to society that had a really powerful message to come away with and the fact that sometimes you can find strength in the strangest of places um, Mm -hmm. and that also by being generous with your own time or resources Mm -hmm. that actually good things will come back to you and I think that was something also that I took away yeah. um yeah really nicely shot like I said I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect to it um and I think that it's sort of film that it's quite subtle uh, it doesn't yeah. try to again one of my favorite things about good short films is when they don't try to do too much I think that's yeah. quite key and here it's got simple locations and only a few characters they're not throwing loads of people in it could have been easy to sort of do that have him you know have the main character george interact with loads of different people and see oh yeah he's clearly upset whereas actually you get that picture better by him being in the same scenario on the monday and then the wednesday and then the saturday actually that repetition and that kind of tragic lifestyle did more than trying to do it in a different way
2: yeah i think also what helps though is that if you've got the right actors if you've got actors that have presence that but quite charismatic, I think the acts that played George would, had real something about him, that he, he didn't need a lot of a lot of lines. There aren't a lot of lines anyway <laughs> in the <a> short <laughs> film, but he didn't need much in the way of lines. It's that you look at him and you think, there's someone who's lived. He's lived a life. There's a story in his lines. There's a story in that face, I think. And that really helps. And it makes the, the director's task a lot simpler. If they've got actors that can portray emotions without without words, and good actors can do it easily, but it becomes even more important in a short film, because you've only got a limited time frame to, to tell the story and to give it an end-to-end feel, and I think that's always very important. But if you've got actors that can carry that without the need for a lot of dialogue, then you're winning, I think. And that's what you get there. I'm still not sure where Baroness comes into
1: it. (laughs) I was going to hope. I was hoping that you knew. I really No, I don't know. I thought thought it's called Baroness, but I thought, I don't know, maybe the pub is called Baroness or something. Yeah, it could could be. I mean, I watched it twice. Yeah.
2: I mean, I always watch a short film, at least twice. And I thought, no, I don't get it. I don't know where Baroness (laughs) comes in. No, I thought you might know.
1: No, I I (sighs) mean... um... Yeah, anyone involved with the film, you know, uh, let us know. Tom Alner, you're the director and writer, so you must know why you chose that. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll find out during the festival. We'll probably catch up with a lot of the filmmakers anyway. Yeah. Um, well, may- maybe though, Chris, maybe it's
2: deliberate. Mm. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe, maybe it's it's... It's just one of those blinds, you know, to think right. We'll call it this, and we'll make people, we'll make the reviewers wonder what it's <laughs> about and try and work out what it means. That
1: do you know, what, that's a really good ploy because we do chat some absolute rubbish sometimes. That <laughs> it'd be really funny if the filmmakers just sat there going, "Yeah, yeah, no, it's not that. It's not <laughs> We've that." We've
2: done it, that. Yeah, crack it, crack it. Yeah, cracks it. Cracks it. Yeah. So yeah, but mm. the film,
1: albeit we don't know why, is called Baroness. So check it out uh, at the festival, and yeah. Uh, make sure you're you're ready for some human connection because that i think is really what that film is uh, is all about mm. um yeah. next up is another short film this one of the comedy slash murder genre um yeah. boomslang 2 the dinner um directed by justin schwan okay.
0: can I, can I, care? I was sent here to teach you a lesson so you don't kill your next victim Of course, how do you scare a serial killer? I hear music!
1: Here I am! Like a lifetime movie, The Wrong (laughs) Waiter. Hello, I'm Vodashka.
0: I'm bodyguard of Billy, and I'm from Ukraine. Look, man, I have no idea what that means, but me and Shakes in the same sentence must be a good thing, right?
2: Uh Uh-uh. It's like a demon just possessed her through her phone, so I'm going to bring her something vegan. Well, hello. Ah! Ah! Okay, well if y'all don't want this, I'll take this back to my home girl. Excuse me, sir. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. This this is really off the hook, isn't it? <laughs> it's bonkers. It's absolutely I like. bonkers. I tell you what though, it's You watch this and you think, God, I like this. I don't Mm know why I like it. It's addictive, right?
1: It's a really addictive film.
2: I just do. And there's some great lines in it, you know. And I think all directors wear their influences on their sleeve, really, up to a point. And this kind of reminded me, the opening scenes, I thought, is it kind of like a bit like Twin Peaks? It's got that kind of really surreal feel to it. But then it, it just... It just jumps into this these madcap madcap exchanges between characters because the you know the, the the title character Eric Boomslang he's a serial killer right mm. and he he goes to dinner at a at a restaurant called the Second Wife Restaurant and he has this really weird conversation with the with the receptionist or the woman who's sort of showing him see his seat, he's speaking partly in Spanish. Then he switches back into English and you think, what on earth is going on here? And but that again, it's deliberate. It's making you think why all the time you're thinking why, but I'd say something else. though. There are some really great lines because Eric's previous victim, Harriet returns from the dead and they do. She said, I've been rehearsing a new dance for Fosse. Uh, Bob Fossey Dance, the the uh, choreo- Hollywood choreographer, and you think what? <laughs> what? I what? You know, it's that kind of thing. But you, there are some really funny lines in it, and I, you,
1: know? you know, I watched it a couple of times as well. I did. I, I do that a lot with the short films because yeah. I do miss things, and this is really worth at least two, maybe more views, to be honest, yeah, because I mean, there's so many of these little lines that you watch it yeah. again and you're like, oh, that's funny. That's clever. Yeah. Um, and it, some of them go a little bit under the radar. And I think because also it's got very extravagant characters. Like you've got, obviously, yeah. Boomslang, but then you've got the uh, the older chap who comes in later and he's very sort of, you know, outlandish. You've got the maitre d', uh, the guy who shows him to his table, who's also yeah. very kind of <laughs> um, exaggeration, like, Uh, prone and yeah the whole thing i think is you have to be on the same level as it to enjoy it like if you come at it thinking oh this is a bit weird like it will probably feel a bit weird to you but if you come into it just actually do you know what i'm just gonna go with it and run with it because this is fun and it was just like a whole load of fun in like a short film um it's
2: it's actually brilliant brilliantly put together and it's it's someone who's just thinking... It's not just a question of thinking outside the box. You know, the, the, direct, the writer and the director has come up with something that's totally original and completely weird and off the hook. But but that's the idea. It makes you watch and you think, what does that mean? You know, it's what it, but the, the next victim is called Bernard, or Barnard, yeah. who's a, he's a rich philanthropist. And he's the next victim. And he sits down with these three young kids. One's Ukrainian. One's, one's looking at a mobile phone with really long fingernails. <laughs> and and um, uh, they're, they're going to benefit from him being there. He's like some kind of benefactor. And one guy comes out with things that are so weird. He shakes hands with Barnard and he says, my pronouns are sometimes but not often. <laughs> I thought, hey? what? Yeah. It's that type of thing. Billy, think, God, I think
1: that character's name is, yeah. Billy, that's yeah. it,
2: yeah, Billy. And you think, my God, this is so strange. But you cannot help liking it, and there's something very inventive. And I think originality is a rare commodity in filmmaking these days. Because you you have your influences, but how much is truly original and truly off the wall? Boomslang is. <laughs> it's, it's as original as you can possibly get. Because you think you keep on thinking, why, why? I don't get this. I don't, you know, what does it mean? Why, why is he speaking in Spanish? You know, why has his previous fixing came back? Come down from heaven to dance, dance a Fosse number with him, and you think, oh God, you know, it's the sort of thing you think oh, I'm going to dream about. It, this and I think mate. like
1: He's, that's such a great aspect of the storyline is that you can't get a hold of it like you're not yeah. it, it would infuriate it does infuriate me in some ways that like i do what i'm one of these people i do want to know kind of everything that's going on um yeah. there is a first film there's obviously a Boomslang one which i think chris buick reviewed on the website so i checked oh, out the right. review and i was like oh okay yeah, yeah. so I, yeah, at least i know yeah it is still connected but it certainly doesn't feel like it's it wouldn't make any more sense than it does now if you know what i mean i think it still is pretty yeah. like bonkers um but with this film uh time to the dinner I was just at first I was I was a little bit kind of like cagey because I I'm very suspect when I get American comedies I'm like okay am I gonna find this funny like is it gonna work and yeah. I loved the fact that it was just turning everything up to 11 and going, you know, yeah, you've got, you're have got, you going to have no idea. And then when the dance scene happened, I was, yeah, I'm done now. This is great. The dance scene yeah, which I actually know. was brilliantly choreographed. It was great. Right. Um, yeah. I was like, yeah, no, this is great. The, the second half where you do get uh, Barnard or Bernard, I'm not sure how you say his name, but it is a bit like, what? Okay. Uh, right. like you're trying to listen to the dialogue and then you kind of realize yeah. that there's no point. Like It doesn't really need, you don't need to um i mean unless this is all going to be part of some big universe where they bring it all together and it's all going to go oh wow that was pretty impressive uh, it is more just about having this bizarre yeah. experience to be honest with some very eccentric characters
2: i do wonder though whether there's potential for it to move on to a feature format mm. i mean could it work as a as a 90 minute film let's say you know it works as a 10 minute film but does it work over a 90-minute format? I mean, let's not think about two hours because I don't think you could bear two hours of, of that type of film. No. Let's say an hour and a half. Would it work? And you'd kind of you want it to. It's something that you, that you kind of crave, but you don't really want because you think well, it's, it's okay in bite-sized pieces like this, but would it work over a larger format? And that's what I often wonder with short films is that, is there potential to make it into a much broader story that would fit onto a 90-minute format and make it a feature?
1: Yeah, but, I, I thought the same, actually. When I was watching Another Day, I thought, yeah, this would actually work as a feature. There's more here. Mm. They could extend this, but yeah. it worked great as a short as well. Because that's my worry. Is sometimes you have these like pieces that are like proof of concept. They're like, oh, it's yeah. like a chapter of a bigger film, and you leave yeah. that short film going, well, this is terrible. I have no idea what yeah. happened before or after. Then... With Baroness, I don't think you can stretch that. Like, no. that is very, very much what it is. Yeah. With this, the only way I can see it working in a much bigger format is either, yeah, episodic, so a show as opposed to a film that you keep coming back for his latest adventure, like a kind of Dexter but comedy sort of thing, yeah. or yeah. a sort of pulp fiction esque film yeah. where you drift off into different storylines enough but you're yeah. always kept back by the fact they are kind of interconnected that that could work but i think yeah no if it was just you know an hour and a half of boom slang just turning up in a different <laughs> a different place and it being weird yeah. and then him killing someone i would just be like uh okay right yeah i get yeah. i get the formula yeah. but i'm not sure this works yeah. as a thread so I
2: th- i think you're right i think another day has potential i think i think a baroness it's quite self-contained. That's as long as it should be. That's as long as it could be. I think with Boomslang, I think it feels more like a kind of a slightly extended sketch from The Fast Show. Oh yeah. you know, it, it feels like that. It feels like a kind of a a, a more elaborate sketch that you'd see on a sketch show. But there's no denying that it shows great imagination, and it works within a limited time frame very well. I think.
1: Fantastic. So that film is called "Boomslang to the Dinner." Again, all part of the festival this year, so you can check that out there. And the benefit of the festival is you can watch it as many times as you can within the time frame. It's not like when you go to a in-person festival and you you, know, yeah. you buy a ticket and you watch it once. Yeah, you could watch it yeah. fifty times if you really wanted to. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, you know, but
2: well, with, with, yeah, you. I wouldn't recommend it either. But with "Boomslang," I think you'll watch it more than once you will have to because mm. it does that to you and you can go you back know. as well
1: because sometimes like I was like did
2: he say that and you go
1: back and yeah. Yeah, that's really what he said um, you, you, yeah. want,
2: you want to be able to quote the best lines properly as well so you've oh, got to go back and sit until you're actually face to face with him realistically you don't know what you do how long has he been in the flats flats four years maybe only seen him around the last two.
0: Then, of course, word got round about him. And no one ever tried to, you know. Tried to what?
2: Said, no one was there, right? There. <laughs> you'd have what, her. Hmm? It would. You'd have killed him? You'd it have had would. a go? It nah. really would. No, you don't know what you'd do. And people, people forget their they move on
1: so that brings us to the last film which is a feature um and it's our only uh fiction feature of the episode and it's called coast road which was directed by brian steins but also reviewed on the website by our very own brian penn who i am with right now (laughs) that's right yeah um and I really did enjoy this film. I, I think,
2: I think any Irish film carries with it a certain responsibility because they have a great literary heritage. I've always thought that, um, and this film keeps up the standard that it's able. They're able to create charming, likable characters that have skill with words. And one of the reasons we love films is because we love words. We love stories being told with a skillful use of, of, of words. And that's the beauty of the language that we all speak. And this is what you get from Coast Road. Um, this this is a story um, based on the recollections of a guy called Killian, who's narrating the story as an adult. But he's telling the story of a coach trip that he took with his mother when he was a child. And they traveled to the West Cork Coast. And the coach is loaded with uh, characters who live in their, in their neighbourhood. So it's a very enclosed neighbourhood that's, that's piled onto this coach for the day to go off on a day trip. So the coach trip was organised by a guy called Dave. And he's the local fixer. He can get you anything you want for a price. you don't ask him where he got it from. So he's always got a suitcase, handy that will have something in it you want. right? And then you've got, Really, sort of likable, sort of um, illuminating characters. You've you've got Alice and Fran, who analyse life in forensic detail. You've got a, a guy called Shane, who's very thuggish and very moody, who adds a bit of bit of tension to proceedings. Um, but this coach trip suddenly turns very serious when uh, a mysterious man who was also on the coach, who's also on the coach, he dies suddenly, and the driver Jure, played by Paul Broderick, Turns detective. He's convinced the passengers on, on the coach know a lot more than they're letting on. Uh, they claim to know a little about him, but still waters often run very deep. So as the journey continues and they head for the nearest town to report the matter to the police and get the ambulance services up, Joe, the driver, begins to question uh, the passengers on board, and he's convinced there's got to be more to it than that. Is there something else going on here? It can't be totally random. And it's a very cleverly put together film. It really is. It's beautifully acted. It's partly improvised. Um, but again, it's so typical of an Irish film. It, it, it's a very bright and sparky script that allows these characters to, to develop side by side and allows develop to, the relationships to de- de- develop between them a lot more. And you see it on screen. And it's a very, very nice film and uh it's, it's thoroughly recommended.
1: Yeah, and you know, you've, you've really gone through a lot of it, so I feel you yeah, know, very happy to to take on a lot of that. Um I really enjoyed this film from a sense of it had a nostalgia to it because it's mm. uh it's a character remembering a story from their youth that mm. He has a Game Boy, I think, or a Game Gear, or or Game Boy or something. At some point, so I was like, okay, well, that gives you an idea of times. And funny enough, I hadn't long finished watching Dairy Girls, which is very much like a period piece set in in Ireland. And I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it felt almost quaint at times, especially the first half, where it does feel like an episode of like Coach Trip, and there, you know, it's just bunch of like people on a coach being very believable and authentic and having those kind of interactions that you'd have that is like, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, they're just chatting and, and very much being themselves. But then when you get that, that sudden jerk of the, the plot twist of, Oh, okay, hold on. One of them's dead. You're like, Whoa, wait a minute. This just changed into Mm -hmm. a completely different movie Mm -hmm. for me that I really loved that. I thought actually I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I was, because up to that point, I was going, where is this going? Like, it's lovely. It's, yeah. it's very picturesque. The, you know, the landscapes yeah. are beautiful. I could watch these yeah. all day. It's yeah. absolutely fine. And mm. um, the characters are sort of funny enough. But then when that happened, it was like, whoa, this is actually a, <laughs> this is a different film than what I thought I was watching. Yeah. Um, that It became mm. very, very engaging. And I think, I you know, I mentioned there some of the sort of, great aspects of the filmmaking, like the coastal shots and some Mm. really good kind of overhead. I'm guessing they must have used a drone and stuff for the bus and things like that. Um, There are some bits which I didn't enjoy, which is the fact that they are holding a camera on a bus. So it was very nauseating at times because it was like wibbly wobbly. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be sick. Um, But if anything, that did kind of add to the feeling of like, this is a proper route based sort of, you know, trip yeah. down the coast on a bus and it's yeah. it's it's meant to feel that way um yeah yeah i love the all the banter between the different people and uh, the characters seemed like they did have a really good chemistry um yeah i i thought it was great i definitely felt yeah. that the second half was more engaging the first half i was a bit more like okay this is good but i'm not really sure what i'm, what yeah. I'm watching yet yeah. but by the second yeah. half yeah no i was really into it yeah I,
2: I agree the the camera work was a bit jerky but i think that was kind of deliberate in some ways because i think they were trying to create the impression that you're eavesdropping on a real conversation and that it's not again it's this it's this danger where, where you could be too slick and and too smooth and too clinical this is kind of trying to go the other way a bit more. And, right, we're going to try and sit you on this coach. We want to sit you next to this person. We want to create the impression that you're sitting on the coach with them and you're going through every bump in the journey. So if the car hits a bump in the road, it kind of feels like that. I think that's what they're trying to do.
1: <laughs> the um, only thing with that, cause... though, Brian, and I was, I was thinking that myself, is that would be fine if you didn't have the narration but because you mm. had the narration, yeah. that always yeah. gives an element of, wait a minute, we're looking at this through the eyes of whoever's telling this story, right? Mm. That, and I think you need the narration because otherwise very little of it would make sense. Yeah. That, I know, what the, you know I like the device. I thought that was an idea. I, I thought that too. You know, okay, yeah, I, I, we're on the bus with them. But it was like, okay, well then why is that character telling me the story? Because yes. surely if it's going to be like a kind of mystery that you're meant to sort of unravel yourself, yeah. you don't need that perspective. Um, so that for me is a little bit confusing. Not to say it's yeah. not still very enjoyable. It was just the fact that I was like, is that why that's there or, or, or not? No,
2: that, that's, that's a very interesting point because when I first reviewed it, I didn't think that never crossed my mind. Because if Killian is telling the story as an adult, his recollections will be a lot more perfect than that. So his recollections in his own mind won't be kind of like an uncomfortable coach ride. It'll be more perfect. Mm. It'll be different. So that is very true, I think. So you you see a a picture that's a bit steadier than that. So it's because it's not real. It's already happened. He's telling you the story of what happened. Mm. So there is that side of it too, I think. But yeah, I think you're right. The first half of the film did make you wonder a bit about where it was going. You know something's going to happen, but you're not sure what. Right? Yeah. but you don't you didn't think that was going to going to come it, you know we've all been on coach journeys haven't we as kids whether it's to the museum as a school trip or going down to the seaside it all it relives a very familiar memory for everyone everyone's got a memory about a coach journey haven't they really and that's where it's very clever but yeah you're right it's nostalgic and it plugs into something very very simple again we think back to our childhood with something like that and that's that's the the perspective that he's portraying the story from. It was when he was a kid, uh, but again, a, a very very nice film, very well put together, and a pleasant way to spend an hour hour seven minutes. It's you know it's not incredibly long, mm. but it's long enough.
1: I think I, I love that yeah you because know, there is that essence sometimes you watch a film and it says ninety minutes and you're like oh okay obviously like that's just the 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 length you had to aim for. Whereas when I see a film that's like a hundred and seven minutes. I'm, or, or an hour and seven minutes, oh, okay, that's, you've decided that's the perfect time for your story. to, And it is. is. Mm. There isn't. I don't think there's much baggage here. It's not like, oh, okay, well, no. why are they putting that in? It's all kind of important. And yeah. I did think that it was quite a tight film, actually, like in terms of that editing and, and the, the way that yeah. the storyline does unfold. I think if if, if I was going to stretch anything, I would stretch the second half, because I think this sort of whole kind of mystery around the, the, the death could have been slightly elongated but it didn't need to be i don't, I don't think that it needed to be um but yeah no i, I think it was really well done and i i love that it. it's, it's a bit of a different style to what you see it, it's like harking yeah. back to the sort of uh i mean the film i guess instead going harking back to the french new wave for the 1960s and you do get that sort yeah. of vibe it is a bit of that sort of like escapism and yeah. harking back to a, a slightly simpler time, but then yeah. the same kind of issues that happen. I mean, you, you mentioned, obviously, that everyone has these sort of stories of being on a coach trip, but you know, very few of mine had a death, if I'm honest.
2: No, no, I've got to be honest. <laughs> no, none of mine did. There was, a, there was a kid being sick on the, co- on oh, the coach yeah. whenever I went there. Oh, on. yeah.
1: They're always, there's always there's, one. You always had that.
2: But no, I'm pleased to say there was never a death on um, any, any coach during my time. But um, what I think is quite clever about it, though, is that Joe, the coach driver, he's the detective, right? He becomes the detective. You think, that's actually quite different. That's different. I've not seen that before. Because it's usually somebody on, on the coach who jumps up and says, right, what's happening? Oh, yeah, there? they start you playing
1: Poirot, don't they? That. Like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, Poirot. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, but no, I loved it with the driver.
2: <laughs> yeah, but the fact that Joe, slightly kind, as a character, he, he was slightly sort of world-weary, careworn. But genuinely alarmed by what had happened, then he kind of had a feeling that was, there was something going on on here. And they knew, all knew more than they were letting on. And that's what I liked about it, that he wants to get to the truth, right? He's driving a... He, he suddenly realised, right, he's driving a coach that's got a murderer on it, <laughs> potentially. You know, that's good. I like that as well. And, you know, if you, if you kind of compare it back to, say, the classic whodunits, like the Agatha Christie whodunits, um, that which obviously very polished, right? But there is someone who, who's the downtrodden every man. He's been caught up in something that's scaring him, right? And he wants to find out why. He wants to make sure that he's safe. Now, what does he do? You know, does he jump off the coach and run for it? <laughs> and then they, they get to the police checkpoint, don't they? And it starts to unravel a bit more. But the conversations they were having in the first half of the film all make sense. They all come together by the end of the film. Because then you know what their motivations were and why they would, why they thought the way they they were thinking and why they said what they said. Um, so it's again, it's a very very good film, very well put together, not perfect, but you know, as near as you can possibly get it, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, very few films are perfect, and and where we're dealing with a lot of indie filmmakers at the festival, what I do appreciate is when people do try to do something bold and achieve a lot with very little resources. Uh, so many of these films we've talked about have got tiny budgets, you're know, not mm-hmm. you not dealing with huge amounts and I think what they do with that is incredible very often. Um, so yeah, that was Coast Road and obviously we've gone through quite a few films that are going to be at the festival this year. Hopefully people will join us and get to listen. We're going to be doing a few of these episodes to just sort of shine a light on the films that are going to be there. So do stay tuned for... More of that. Um, But for now, it's been lovely to chat to you, Brian. Absolutely lovely to chat to you. Always always a pleasure. Yeah. Never a (laughs) chore. So it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Brian.
2: Yeah. Bye for now. Take care. And we'll see you again soon.